to Park Valley Church's Sermon of the Week. It doesn't matter if you have been a Christ follower for years or new to the Christian faith, you have come to the right place. Listen in as one of our campus pastors shares how to apply biblical truth in a tangible way. As you listen, we pray you have an encounter with Jesus that leads to real and lasting life change. Good morning. You may be seated. Happy New Year. Thank you guys for being here today. I'm excited to be back. We were gone for 10 or 11 days. We, we left here uh, Christmas Eve and we drove straight to Florida. I, I made it from here to Orlando in 11 and a half hours. Yeah, it was a thing of beauty. It was awesome. Three stops, all the stops under 10 minutes. It was great. So, uh, and, I, and I got to relax while I was down there. I, sa- I had one goal for myself and that was, you know how you can monitor your steps? On, on your phone. Mine was to have negative. And, and you do that by taking your steps and then subtracting the number of steps that everybody else gets while they wait on you, hand and foot. So I was able to get negative steps a couple days. So, so, so great, great uh, uh, to be back. And I really missed you guys. Um, and I really appreciate all of you that stepped up last week to help uh, with, with setup and tear down and everything, and, and uh, just really appreciate that. Um, sometimes I, I don't sleep well on Saturday nights because I worry a lot about, about Sunday. And, and so last week on Saturday night, I would wake up and go, oh, no. I've got great people taking care of stuff, and I could go back to sleep. So, so it was great having those volunteers here. So thank you guys so much, those of you that, that were able to do that. Um, if you're a guest here, it's your first time at Park Valley Church. We're just so grateful that you've chosen to be with us this morning, and we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. So on the bottom of the sermon notes that you were handed as you came in, there's a little card that you could fill out, um, and you could uh, fill that out, put whatever information on there you're comfortable with, and hand that to one of our ushers or drop it in the offering box on the way out. Um, you can also do that online. There's a QR code there, and, and uh, uh, you can, you can uh, use that to register online. So that'd be awesome if you could do that. And, and if you plan to give this morning, if you're going to uh, make a contribution, you can either do that online or our, our app. You can use the QR code, or you can drop that in the, the box on the way out. We appreciate you doing that. And thank you guys so much for being such a generous church. We, uh, and I've, I've told you this before, we, the, this campus made budget in July this year. And everything after that was above budget. So, so you guys have just been so generous, and, and we've been able to do so much more than we ever planned, and, and we just are very grateful for you doing that. Now, if I were to, if I were to ask you to, to name an American inventor, most of you would probably come up with one of two names. You'd either say Henry Ford or Thomas Edison, you know, because those are the two that come to mind. And Thomas Edison was, was in his day, was the most prolific inventor. He held... 1,093 patents. Now, that's a lot. The record is 11,000 patents. Some guy that's alive today holds that record. But in his day, Thomas Edison held 1,093 patents. And, you know, we all know he invented the light bulb. That's, that's the one we're all familiar with. But, but he, he invented so much more than that and is credited for so many things. Like, we know he invented the light bulb. So, so one man changed the way we see things. You know, and he, he invented the phonograph, the record player. He invented that. So one man changed the way we hear things. He invented the the he invented motion pictures. You know, what he invented ultimately became the movies that you go and watch and the movies you see on TV. So one man changed the way we entertain ourselves. He invented the electrographic vote recorder, which they used they started using in his day to record votes in Congress. As they would vote, they would record these votes, no, no more paper ballots in, in Congress. And so he changed, for, for all of us, he changed the way we do politics. 
And, and he had other inventions that, that changed the way, uh, like the mining industry, and changed medicine, communication, printing, food preservation. So one man changed the way we live for the rest of our lives and for generations to come. One man did that, Thomas Edison. But when he was a kid in school, and some of you may have heard this, when he was a kid in school, they thought he was not, not able to learn. His schoolmaster told his mother, they, they used the word addled, which we would use as, as uh, learning disabled. They said, your son is learning disabled, and his mother wouldn't buy it. So she was a teacher. She pulled him out of school. She homeschooled Thomas Edison. And later in his life, Thomas Edison said this about his mother. He said, my mother was the making of me. She was so true, so sure of me, and I felt I had someone to live for, someone I must not disappoint. When everyone else saw Thomas Edison's obvious limitations, his mom saw his potential. She saw his potential. And when Jesus looks at us, it's the same way. When we look at ourselves, you know, when we, when we get up in the morning, we go look in the mirror, we see all of our faults and failures and flaws. You know, when Jesus looks at us, He sees our potential. Look at what uh, Ephesians 2.10 says, and, and uh, th this verse we use in the grow classes all the time. They talk about grow at the top of the service. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. We look at ourselves and we see faults and failures. God looks at us and says, you're a masterpiece. Everything that you look at as something that's wrong with you, God has made that part of a masterpiece that He's creating in you. And because God is all-wise and all-knowing and, and ever-present, and unfailing and eternal, when He looks at us and He says masterpiece and He sees our potential, He's right because He can't be wrong. And so when we look at ourselves, we see all of our problems, we see all of our flaws and failures, but Jesus sees the potential in every individual. He sees the potential in every individual. And, and we see this when Jesus called His disciples. We see, we see Him live this out when He called His disciples because and, and, He was calling men that were not qualified. These were not guys that were qualified to be disciples of Jesus. They just weren't. They, were, they had no experience. They had no training. You know? And if you read about the disciples throughout the, 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 the Gospels, you see these guys were not spiritual giants. They made lots of mistakes. You know, they, didn't, they didn't have it together spiritually, but Jesus looked at him and said, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. And so we're going to look at, in a, starting in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, we're going to see where Jesus called the disciples. Up until that point in the, in the Gospels, Jesus had, had already uh, been baptized and tempted by Satan. Okay? So when Jesus was baptized and tempted, these were two things that really launched his ministry. They were the, they were the beginning of his ministry. When he was baptized, that's when, that's when John saw him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, fulfilled a prophecy when he said that. And then when Jesus came and stepped into the water and was baptized, it says that, that the people there heard the voice of God who said, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit descended like a dove on Jesus when he came up out of the water. So, so that, that, that happening at his baptism, the presence of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit, were, uh, they, they, they validated 
the fact that, yes, this is the Messiah. You heard it, you saw it, and here he is. He is the fulfillment of prophecy. Then he left there and he went into the, to the desert to be tempted, went into the wilderness to be tempted. And, and when he did that, that established the fact that he has power over Satan. He is the Messiah and he has power over Satan. So that launched his ministry. And I love that the next thing that he did was start to assemble a team of men that would travel with him for three years that would learn from him, that would experience ministry, that would, that would watch prophecy being fulfilled. And then they would become the foundation of an organization that would spread the gospel throughout the entire globe, the church. They became the foundation of the church. And so these men that were not perfect, they were not trained, they were not, they were not anyone that you would pick to lead people especially to lead them spiritually. You wouldn't pick these people. That's who Jesus picked. That's who Jesus picked. And in, and in verse uh, 18 of, of Matthew chapter 4, it says this. It says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing their net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And, <clears throat> and they left their nets at once, and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. Immediately, uh, they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Jesus saw two brothers, and he said, "Follow me." And he walked up a little bit, saw two more brothers. He said, "Follow me." But when Jesus saw them, he saw more than than what we would see. He would he would he saw more than just fishermen. He saw the potential in these men. He didn't see who they were. He said he saw who they would be if they had him in, in their life. They saw what they were capable of with Christ working through them. And, and uh, uh, Matthew 4 is kind of the cliff notes of that, that story. And, and Luke 5 gives a little more detail. And Jesus basically said to Peter when he, when he uh, was talking to him, he, he said, let's, let's get in your boat and push it out a little bit. And Jesus stood in Peter's boat just off the shore and talked to a crowd of people. So people heard him teach. And then as soon as they was, he was done teaching, he looked at Peter and he basically said, let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. Look at uh, Luke 5, 4. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon or Peter, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets and catch some fish. And the discussion that takes place between Jesus and Peter tells a lot about what Peter thought of himself. We, we get a glimpse of what Peter thought of himself and, and hearing Jesus call him. Here, here's what his response was. It says, Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if, I, but if, I say, but if you say so, I'll, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the, boat, in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled and, uh, with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. So when all that happened, Peter started looking at, looking at himself, and, and Jesus said, said, Let's go catch some fish. And Peter said, Well, I've already failed at that. I'm a failure. We tried last night. We didn't catch anything. And when Jesus called Peter to follow him, Jesus said, I can't, I'm a failure. You know, well, who, who, who am I to follow you? And then he said, he said, he said look, if I want you to, th- look, if you want me to throw 
the net into the water, fine, but don't expect much. We just did this. So Peter doubted himself. He looked at his failures. He looked, he looked at the fact that, that he, he, uh, he uh, had no confidence in himself in his ability as a fisherman. In other words, Peter said, Who, wh- what am I going to do? You know, I can't do anything. I can't even fish right. He doubted himself and he had no confidence. Then, after he brought in the biggest haul of his life, just made him the most famous fisherman in, in Galilee, almost sank his boats, tore his nets. He brought in so many fish. He looked at Jesus and he said, I'm too much of a sinner to follow you. I'm not good enough. You know, And, and, and if you look at, at times throughout the Scripture when men were called to follow God or to follow Jesus, they had similar responses. When Moses was called, what did Moses say? He goes, man, I can't talk. I stutter. And, and if I go back to Egypt, you know, there's a price on my head because I killed an Egyptian. And, and not only do the Egyptians want me dead, the Hebrews want me dead too. They don't like me either. That's why I ran. That's why I left. He said, who am I? And God said, it's not about you. It's about, it's about what I can do through you. When God called Caleb, Caleb said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not a strong man. I'm not a big man. I, you know, I'm not a warrior. You want me to lead an army? You know, I've never fought in my life. I'm from the most insignificant tribe in Israel. And in that tribe, I'm from the most insignificant family. And you still want me. And God said, yeah, I want you. And when Peter came to the realization that he was a sinner, that marked, that marked a change in his thinking. It marked a change in his thinking. Before, he was saying, I'm not a good fisherman. He was comparing himself to other people. I have no confidence in myself because I'm not, I, I have failed at fishing. So he was looking at his own abilities in comparison to all the other fishermen. But when he looked at Jesus and said, I'm not worthy, I'm a sinner, he changed his perspective and he started looking at Jesus. And if we're going to be used of God, if we're going to say, yes, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus and, I'm gonna, and I want him to use me, we have to start looking at ourselves or stop looking at ourselves and our own limitations. We have to stop looking at everybody around us and comparing ourselves to, to, to them. And we have to start looking at Jesus. And we need to focus everything on him. That comparison game is one of the most dangerous things you can do because there's always going to be somebody that looks better than you or is better than you or says they're better than you. You're, you're not going to, there's never going to be a shortage of people that you compare yourself to. But if you look at Jesus who said, I can use you anyway, and your focus is on him, God can use you. God can use you in great ways. You know, Peter... Peter, Peter said the same thing. You know, he said, I, I, you can't use me. Who am I? What am I going to accomplish? He said, and I'm such a sinner. And, and Jesus could have said a lot more at that moment. He could have said, yeah, you are a sinner. Like, like you have no idea how big of a sinner you are. You know, you're, you're going to lose your temper. You're going you're gonna to put your foot in your mouth so many times over the next three years. You're going to get so angry at one point, you're going to draw your sword and try to kill a man. And when, 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 I'm under, when I'm under arrest and being tried, you're going to deny me three times. Three times you're going to deny me. And over and over again for the next three years, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you how, how I'm going to use you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to show you how I can use you. I'm going to tell you over and over again, you're going to be able to change the world. And I'm also going to tell you that one day I'm going to be crucified, buried, but then I'm going to rise from the dead. And you're going to see all that happen. And after it does, 
You know what you're going to do? You're going to run and hide, and then you're going to come right back here and start fishing again. You're going to go right back to your old life. I know, I know you're a sinner, is what Jesus would say, but I want to use you anyway. I'm calling you anyway. Because it's not about what you do. It's about what I do through you. It's about what I can do through you. And if in this new year, in 2024, you want to be used of God, you have to start looking in terms of, this is what God can do through me. In spite of all of my faults and failures, in spite of my sinfulness, in spite of everything I've been through, God can still use me. And it's just a matter of surrendering. It's a matter of saying, I'm ready. Use me. Whatever, whatever, whatever you need me to do, use me. Peter said this in, in uh, Luke 5, uh, starting in verse 9. It says, Peter was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to, to Simon, Peter, uh, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I will make you fishers of men. You've been fishing for people, but now you're going to start fishing for men. And you may, have, you may not have been much of a fisherman when it came to fishing for fish, but when you let me do it, when you let me work through you, look at the fishermen you became. You just became a legend among the other fishermen because of what I did through you. Imagine what I can do through you when you fish for people. Imagine what I can do with you when you fish for people. Following Jesus isn't about what we can do for him. It's about what he can do through us. And Peter learned that lesson that day, and he learned it for three years. But Jesus wasn't the only one uh, that, that or, or Peter wasn't the only one that Jesus called that day. You know, there were, there were three, other, three other men, Peter's brother and then two other brothers, uh, uh, James and John. And God called all of them. And, and so Jesus sees the potential in the group as well as the individual. You know, these four men... We're, part of the, we're the first four of the 12 Jesus called to do life with them for, for three years and then use them to lay the foundation of the church. And so these men, these men said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. We're going to follow you. We're going to leave everything behind, and we're going to follow you. And so they made the decision that Jesus was going to be more important than everything else in their life. Jesus became more important than where they lived. You know, these men were all from Galilee. They left Galilee. They would go back a couple times, but they never stayed long in Galilee. So Jesus became more important than what they lived. Jesus became more important than their jobs, their livelihood. They were fishermen. They walked away from that. And Jesus became more important than their family. That's a tough one. Jesus became more important than their family because we think, well, what's more important than my family? You know, nothing's more important than my family. But look at this, Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, uh, talking about James and John. It says, they immediately followed him, leaving their boat and their father behind. Now, I'm not asking anybody here to, to abandon your family to, 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 oh, for the sake of this sermon. That's not my job. My job is to, to point you to Christ and to point you to the truth of God's Word. But let me, let me just say this, making Jesus more important than your family is the most important thing you can do for your family. It's the best thing you can do for your family to make Jesus more important than your family. Because when you're pursuing Him, when you're pursuing Him, everything in your life changes that benefits your family. 
You know, and I, I've used this statistic before. Men, men in this room, when you choose to follow Jesus, that's huge. When you make Him the most important thing in your, in your life, even more important than your family, you know what happens? Your family follows. When a, when a, when a mom follows Jesus, that's awesome. 27% of the time, her children will follow her. When a dad chooses to follow Jesus, 95% of the time, the children will follow. So, men, if you want your kids to grow up following Jesus, every day needs to be a recommitment. I'm going to follow Jesus today. I'm going to get closer to Jesus today. Every day, and your kids will follow. So, if you want your, if you want your family, if you want, if you want Jesus to be the most important thing to your, to your family, then Jesus needs to be more important than your family. It's the best thing you can do for your, for your family. And that's what these men did. They, they made the choice to follow Jesus. They made Jesus their number one priority, and they went on to change the world. But it came with a price. It came with a price when they, when they committed to change the world and to follow Jesus. Peter, Peter, many of you all know this, Peter was, was eventually executed for preaching about Christ. When, when Peter was executed, he was, they were going to crucify him the way they did Jesus. He goes, and he said the same thing he said when he met Jesus. He said, I'm too much of a sinner. You can't, you can't crucify me the same way you crucified the Messiah. So would you please hang me upside down on the cross? Peter was crucified upside down. His brother Andrew said the same thing. They were going to crucify him. He goes, I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way Jesus was. So instead of making a cross, they took two, two pieces of wood and made a big X and attached him to that. And it said that he hung there until he died. And this is all tradition. This isn't in the Scripture. This is history that tells us this. So that he hung there until he died, and until he took his last breath, he shared the gospel with anybody that would listen. James uh, was, uh, King Herod ordered James' execution. James was killed with a sword. John got off easy. He got off easy. He wasn't executed, but he was dipped in boiling oil. He survived it, miraculously survived it. Then he was, he was uh, uh, sent to live on the Isle of, Isle of Patmos. He, he was, it was kind of like an, uh, an island prison. He was sent to live his days out there. And that's where he received the revelation from God, the, the book of Revelation. So these men chose to follow Jesus, but it came with a price. You know, and I don't, I don't know that anybody in this room is going to face crucifixion or being boiled in oil. Uh, I'd be surprised if that happened, quite frankly. But you know what? It comes with a price because we have to walk away from, from some things that maybe we did before. We have to become something different. We have to become something different if we're going to choose to follow Jesus. But God, looks at, God looked at those men and said he saw the, he saw the potential in that group. And when, when he looks at, looks at us, he says the same thing. He sees the potential in this group. He sees the potential in Park Valley Church, Gainesville. He sees the potential in every one of us, and he sees the potential of us as a group. And so, you know, we're going, we're going into a new year. Lots of people have made New Year's resolutions. Anybody make a New Year's resolution? You don't have to share what it is. Just let me just wave your hand. Yeah, I made a resolution. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. So what we do when we make New Year's resolution is maybe we make a list of things we're going to do. You know, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to join the gym. I'm going to... I'm going to give this up. I'm going to do it. You know, we make a list of things to do. When, when Jesus called the disciples, he didn't tell them to do anything. He asked them to become something. So I want to challenge you this year with your 
uh, uh, New Year's resolutions, don't, don't make a list of things to do, but think, what am I going to become this year for Jesus? What's going to be different about my life? I'm going to be blank. I love, I love when, when the disciples, when, when, you know, they, they stayed with Jesus through his, his ministry, and then Jesus was crucified and rose again, and then they were with him for 40 days on the earth. They walked with him, and a lot happened in that 40 days. But at the very end, they were standing with him on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus ascended into heaven. And, and immediately, this is what happened. I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses. It says, as they strained to see him rising into heaven... They're staring, watching. So he's just, Jesus had just gotten out of sight. They could barely see him anymore. Just like, you know, you used to let a balloon go when you were a kid, and you'd watch it as long as you can, and then eventually you couldn't see it anymore. They were at that point where they could barely see it, and it was about to see Jesus. He was about to be gone. It says this, Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into heaven? I mean, it had been seconds since they couldn't see Jesus anymore. Why are you standing here staring in heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Seconds after Jesus was out of sight, two men walked up and said, why are you still here? <laughs> it, you've had two seconds. You should be gone. You know, you shouldn't be standing staring into heaven. You've been called to do something. There's work to do. Why are you still here? And I think if those two men walked into this room, they, they kind of say the same thing. What are you waiting for? There's a lot to do. There's, there's, there's a community out there that needs Christ. And, and these men laid the foundation for the church to go out and reach this community. So what are we waiting for? As a church, what are we waiting for? I, I want 2024 to be the year that Park Valley Church Gainesville reaches this community that people hear the gospel. And we're going to talk this month about some opportunities that we have, uh, especially next week. We're going to talk about some things that we're going to, we're going to shift our focus a little bit and, and, and make an effort to reach this community. But I want you to really think about, okay, if, I, if I'm going to be a part of that, if I'm going to, if I'm going to uh, uh, be a part of reaching this community, what, what needs to change about me? What do I need to be if I'm going to be a part of that? And so the first thing I want to challenge you is first just to be available. Be available. You know, the, the disciples, were, they made themselves available. They walked away from what they were doing. So be available. There's some opportunities coming up. You know, we, just, that we talked about the grow class at the top of the sermon, or top of the service. You know, that's a great place to start. If you haven't been through the grow class, that's a play, great place to start. We talk about all those things uh, uh, Dave talked about. We, we talk about what it means to be a part of Park Valley Church, how you get plugged in, how you, how you find out how God created you to serve. Remember, you're a masterpiece created new in Christ Jesus to do the things he called you to do. He's created you to do something specific. We'll help you figure that out and grow. So that's a great place to start. But be available. Be available to serve. Be available to, to, to just love on people in your community, your neighbors, people you work with. Be available. Be ready. In 2024, just be ready. In, in 1 Peter chapter 3, I think it is, it says, it says uh, uh, be ready to give account for the hope that lies within you. Be ready to give account for the hope that lies within you. When people look at you and say, man, there's something different about you, that's your cue 
to just say, yeah, well, I've got Jesus in my life. That's, that, that's really the only thing different that, you know, and, that's, and if, if there's something you see in me that, that you like, that you want to you wanna be like me, it's, it's that. It's because Jesus lives in me. If you think I've got it all together, I really don't, but Jesus does, and I just follow him. You know, be ready to give an account for the hope that lies within you. Because out there, they don't have hope. And if they, if they think they have hope, it's because they're putting their hope in something that is ultimately going to fail. But Christ is not going to fail. It's the only hope that lasts. It's the only hope that is, that is permanent and is right. So when people see that hope in you, let them know it's Jesus. It's Jesus in my life. Be ready. Be accountable. Be accountable. These men became accountable to each other. They became accountable to Jesus. And, and I love when you read through their story that, that there are often times that they challenge each other, they correct each other. Obviously, Jesus is correcting them, saying, hey, you know, you're thinking about this wrong, you're doing this wrong. You know, we have to be accountable to somebody if we're going to grow as a believer. And, and you've heard me say this before, you know, spiritual growth happens in the context of relationships. Spiritual growth happens in the context of relationships. You need other believers around you that are going to help you understand, that are going to, that are going to encourage you, that are going to challenge you, that are going to lovingly correct you maybe when, when, you're, when you're doing something wrong. Some of the best things that have ever happened to me are people looking at me saying, you really thought that was the right thing to do? You know, and they say it in love, and I can make some corrections. You know, talking about my marriage, talking about the way I raise kids, talking about the way I do ministry, talking about life in general. When somebody says, really, that, that, that's not the best choice, was some of the best things I've ever heard. And all of us need that in our life. We need to be accountable to someone. And so part of, part of what we're doing, you know, that, that we, part of our DNA at, at Park Valley is our connect groups, you know. And so I want to challenge all of you, if you're not part of a connect group, Think about becoming part of a connect group, being accountable to other people. We've got lots of groups. We've got men's groups, women's groups, couples groups. We've got lots to choose from. We'll form new groups. One of the best ways to start, one of the hardest things is to find a new group because, you know, they've, these people have been together. You step in and they're, you know, they kind of know each other. You feel like the odd man out. But you can start a group, and that doesn't take much. You know, we kind of set the bar low because we want people to start groups. You don't have to be a spiritual giant. You don't have to have experience. We'll train you. But you can start a group. But that's, that's part of what we're doing. And this year, we're going we're gonna to lay the foundations for a men's ministry and a women's ministry at Park Valley Gainesville. Some of you all have been involved in that uh, through our Haymarket campus, and that's awesome. But at some point, we've got to take ownership of what we're doing here. And, and we're limited because we only have a space to meet on Sundays. So we have to get creative at how we're doing that, but we'll, and we'll talk about it more next week. But we're going to lay the foundation for men's ministry and women's ministry. We want, we want you to be a part of that because we all need to be accountable. We all need other people in our life that are going to help us to grow. And finally, <clears throat> I want you to be compassionate. Be compassionate. If there's something that's going to change in your life in 2024, be compassionate. We'll talk about this even more in the next couple of weeks because Jesus was compassionate. When Jesus saw people through his eyes, if we looked at people through Jesus' eyes, we would see them compassionately. And that's how we need to look at our community. Sometimes, as believers, we make the mistake of looking at the unsaved world as our enemy. But really, we need to look at them as captives that need to be rescued. 
That's what God called us to do. When he said, you're going to fish for people, he said, you're going to, you're going to help me set the captive free. And so if we're, looking, if we're looking at our community and we're looking at people in the office that maybe, maybe uh, uh, make it hard for us to live out our faith or people at home or people whatever, wherever that make it hard for us to live out our faith, we, we tend to look at them as the enemy, but they're captives that need to be rescued. And that's why God's put us in their life. That's why, that's why these men lay the foundation for the church because it's our job to rescue the captives. So, Let's go into 2024 as a church saying, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be available. We're going to be ready. We're going to be compassionate. We're going to be accountable so that we can grow. We can become more like Christ. And in turn, we can rescue the captives. We can bring people to Jesus. Just for a second, let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. All that starts. All that starts. That that growing in Christ, that becoming more like Him, that starts with with a relationship with him. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your savior, you've never, you've never entered into a real relationship with him, today's the day to do it. You know, you might've been putting, putting your faith in, in uh, works. You've been saying, well, if I can just be more loving or I can just be more generous or I can, I can conquer this sin in my life, then I'll go to heaven. If I'm just good enough. Well, that's what Peter said. He said, I'm not good enough. And Jesus said, I'm going to take you anyway. Because it's not about what we can do for him. It's about what he did for us. And because we're sinners, because we, we, we can't earn our way to heaven, because we'll never deserve our way to heaven, Jesus died on the cross and he paid the penalty for our sin so that we can have that relationship. We can go to heaven. And it's just a matter of accepting him as your savior. So if you've never done that, Today's the day to do it, and it's very simple. You just confess to him that you're a sinner, ask forgiveness of your sin, and put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ for your salvation. And you can pray in this moment and ask him. Uh, you can say those things to him, or you can, you can uh, uh, pray. You, you can repeat the prayer I'm about to pray just to help you put Uh, into words what's going on in your heart and mind and you can just say dear father thank you for sending Jesus because there's nothing I could do to be saved there's nothing I could do to earn my way to heaven or to deserve to go to heaven so today I trust in the death burial and resurrection of Jesus for my salvation I confess my sin and I ask forgiveness and I choose to become a follower of him And if you just prayed that prayer, you can walk out of here knowing two things. Number one, that you have an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ and nothing can change that. And number two, if you you prayed that and you meant it and you've accepted Christ as your Savior today, you can also know that you have an eternity in heaven. There's no guesswork. You don't have to walk out of here wondering, am I going to heaven? Am I not going to heaven? Am I good enough? because it's what Jesus did for you on the cross. And 1 John says, John told us, I'm writing this letter to you so that you can know for sure that you have eternal life. So if you've accepted Christ, you can walk out of here knowing absolutely positively that you have eternal life. So if you're here today and you just prayed that and you accepted Christ as your Savior, would you, would you lift your hand just for a second so I can pray for you? Okay, I see a couple hands. That's awesome. Father, thank you so much for 
the folks that, that prayed this morning to accept Christ as their Savior. Thank you that, that they have a home in heaven. Lord, that they can have peace through a relationship with Jesus. Lord, thank you that, that, that Jesus did the heavy lifting for us. He did all the work for us so that we don't have to. We don't have to earn this. We don't have to, we don't have to fulfill someone else's uh, list of things to do to earn your love because you did it freely and you gave it to us. You gave us that eternal life. So God, I pray for those that accepted you today. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would help them to grow, to be more like Jesus every day. Surround them with people that are going to encourage them. And Lord, thank you for, for that gift of eternal life. Still with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you, if you prayed that today, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to grab on your way out. There's black bags. And in those black bags, there's a Bible and some other information. Grab those. Grab that bag and take that. And then, then uh, uh, do, do this. Tell somebody that you made that decision today. Our prayer team is up here. You can come up and talk with one of them, and they'll pray with you. Come grab me in the lobby. Let me know that you uh, prayed that prayer. If you've got family here, let them know. But let them know that you've accepted Christ today. Now, if you're here today and you've already accepted Christ and you just need to, to say, John, I'm going to recommit myself to God. I'm going to recommit myself to following Jesus, and I'm going to start this new year off right. I want to pray for you today. So if that's you, and, and you're in this, this moment, you're saying, I'm going to be different. I'm going to become something different for Christ. I'm going to be available. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to be accountable. If there's something you're going to do in your life, would you just lift your hand and say, yes, I'm going to make some changes this year. I'm going to grow in my faith. I'm going to become more like Christ. Awesome. Hands going up all over the place. Father, thank you for these people that have made this decision to follow you and uh, people that have made this decision to become more like Christ. They've, they've, they're committing right now to become what you've called them to be. In spite of our faults and our failures and our sin, God, you have called us to follow Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray for these folks that raise their hands. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would encourage them. Lord, I pray that you would protect them from, from the enemy. Lord, don't, don't let Satan whisper in their ear and, and convince them they made a bad decision or convince them they're not good enough or convince them they can never live up to the decision they've made. God, I pray that they would, they would uh, uh, depend on the truth of your word, knowing that you can use us in spite of our faults and failures. So God, bless them throughout this year. Lord, I pray for us as a church. I pray that you would use us in a great way to reach our community. I pray that people would get saved. Lord, thank you for the, the over 100 people that were saved last year through this church. Lord, we thank you for that. I pray that we would see even more of that. I pray that you would just give us a harvest of souls, Lord, as we, as we seek to, to, to share your love in the community. So God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for sending Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you accepted Christ, want to accept Christ, or just want to see what Park Valley Church is about, you can email us at info at parkvalleychurch.com. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.